It's a good show. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual Healing. So in our Textual Healing segment today, we're going to talk about the values of being fabulous. Fabulous! <laughs> because um, Madison Moore, this author, wrote a book called Fabulous, The Rise of the Beautiful Eccentric, Um uh, and it's this book about the sort of question of whether fabulous style um, is actually only about labels. Nar- he says, it's, is it about labels, narcissism and selfies looking good and feeling gorgeous? Or can acts of fabulousness be political gestures too? what are the risks of fabulousness? And in what ways is fabulous style a defiant response to the struggles of being of living while marginalized? So my first question is how do you guys feel fabulous? Yes. Oh no, <laughs> I do. I, I yes. not. Yes. I one hundred. Let me. Uh, let me. I one hundred percent. Let me just say. I think to what you just said. I think you can. Fabulous can be both of those things. It can be narcissism, but it can also can be, you know, a pushback against a political norm or a social norm. Um, but on a personal level. Yes, I completely feel fabulous. I feel I, – I, whenever I hear the word fabulous, I think about this guy I used to work with who he was – I love him to death. He's the nicest man. He He's the gayest human being I've ever met in my life and he would be OK with me saying that because it's, it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just so amazing and everything he – every response he has to things is like, that's fabulous, fabulous. And at first I thought it was funny and then I was like – that is the most brave, awesome thing that man is living. He is living 100% himself. He doesn't give a fuck if you think he's femme. He doesn't give a fuck if you think he's too gay. He is fucking fabulous. And, you, and I applaud it. It's so refreshing oh, uh, to me. You can't not applaud someone being comfortable and happy with who they are. I, I under no circumstances would disagree with that. Yeah. But I just don't know why it, it, he has to be fabulous. Why does it have to be fabulous? Well, why do you have to be a curmudgeon? I don't call myself a curmudgeon. I mean, sometimes, I mean, but you not are. always. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but not always. I mean, you, why does anyone have to be anything? Like, can't we just applaud them for being whatever they're presenting to us? Well, I think what he's talking. I mean, I think what he's talking about when he talks about fabulousness, which I also think he's referring referring to like something that feels somewhat new, which is like between like Drag Race mm-hmm. and Sex in the City and Bravo TV shows and like. The, the the sort of pornification of like the wealthy, there is this really, oh, there feels it feels like the, the the floodgates have opened in terms of what fabulousness is and sort of you know coveting this eccentric, you know wealthy even though it doesn't actually refer to wealth way of living. Yeah. So uh, this this was and I actually liked. I liked some of the things that Madison Moore, uh, the author of this book, said about uh, fabulousness being political dissent. Uh, and I think the reason why I rebel against it is because I've associated associated fabulousness historically with narcissism. I've associated it with sort of this catch-all term where that that you can that a gay person can use to basically defer all, ju- you know. Any problematic behavior or whatever is I am fabulous, therefore I am infallible. I, I'm, obviously, I'm being a little 
silly with my words here. And it's not unlike – I was actually thinking about this uh, earlier today. Not unlike how sometimes like really religious people will t- will be really hypocritical and then – but they'll say – uh, they'll say things like, "Well, just so you know, I already talked to God and He forgave me." Like there was a famous, there was a famous guy who <laughs> got caught. He was a religious blogger or vlogger, and he got caught in that Ashley Madison yeah, dump yeah, yeah, I remember that. scandal. And he made this video, and he said, "Well, for, I know everyone's really disappointed. First of all, just so you know, I already talked to God and He forgave me." <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's just this catch-all, ridiculous umbrella that you know, well. I am this, therefore I am absolved of all yeah. of any problematic behavior. So that's how I viewed fabulousness in the that's past. That's interesting because well, I t- I have a complete opposite view of that. Well, I, he's, he's there's a quote that that refers to what you were saying basically about the guy you worked with. The idea that when you I think this is what you're referring to when he says when you try to live in your body differently, there are so many ways that you're suppressed completely. And if you I, can't take me at my most, if you can't take me living my best life, then maybe you don't deserve me at all. Then finding a community of folks who are with you and deserve you as you are you know and i have to say like for me on a personal level like i remember as a kid feeling i felt very much i had a really strong personality and i i I think people probably thought i was really super confident but in reality i felt very sort of lost i didn't know what my identity was which i think is pretty you know common common. for a lot of very common and so like i mean i've joked with you guys before i used to wear like super bright colors pastels like i used to smile with your mouth open my mouth mouth open i was so flamboyant (laughs) on purpose i was so i was so flamboyant because i thought that's that was the role i should be playing you know that was the role that was that was prescribed for me from society and as i got older especially after cancer i started to realize like you had cancer (laughs) i know (laughs) Um, After cancer, I started to realize, like, nah, like, I can be uniquely myself. I can, and I think how I learned how to be fabulous is by saying no to things Mm. and 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 choosing to not apply to certain things or not do certain things or not say I believe in certain things or I agree with this. I'm 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 by saying no, I sort of learned who I was. Yeah, and that's my fabulous self. And I'll say that I. My, from my experience, I've always felt like, I guess, threatened by it in a certain way. Do you associate it with femme behavior? No, I was thinking in my head, do I associate it with femme behavior? No, it's not that. It is this sort of like grand, you know, way of being like, I'm the be- I'm the best and brightest in the room. And that's what it feels like to me. And, it, and I don't feel threatened as if um, one person is be- somebody else is better than me, per se. It just makes me feel like I have no well, access to that, and it makes me feel like I'm on another planet. Most people are raised, for what it's worth, I think it's fair to say most people are raised to not be arrogant and um, – What's an, another word I could use that would be appropriate? But like, narcissistic. I mean, narcissistic. narcissistic. I, you know, I was raised to be modest, even if you have a lot of money, which I don't. But if you, if you have a lot of money, you don't show it off. You don't buy a Rolex. You don't do yeah. this. You, so I, when you say being the most important or the best person in the room, that's sort of – that's a great way of putting it. And I think that's what I rebel against, which is – yeah, there are cocky people, but I don't like cocky people. I usually, yeah. as a comedian, I like people who are humble and modest. And I agree. Yeah, you know, we have comedian friends who aren't that. Occasionally, usually co- comedians are, but when they aren't, I don't like them. Yeah, it's a ver- it's a weird turnoff. And there's a funny memory that I have of um, years ago, Brent and I, uh, I, we were at a club or a bar or something. I don't I don't think you were there, Alan. And um, oh some, yeah, this guy was taking <laughs> this guy was taking this is like. 
pre-iPhones, I guess, or, or very early smartphones. This party photographer. So this party photographer was at some dumb gay bar that we were at, like taking pictures to put on this His fucking blog, blog or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And literally, he's taking pictures of like everybody stopping, Everyone. taking pictures, taking pictures. And he comes up to us, looks at us, and... B- literally, like, just skips right over he us. Literally, it's like he lifted his camera, camera right above over. our heads yeah. to skip over us. Did I ask him why? That was, there was another time you were with your boyfriend. Yes, that you were at you were at Splash. Yes, you were with your boyfriend. You asked someone, yes, with a digital camera, another one of these party photographer people, to take he a picture take of a you picture with your boyfriend. And he said, "I, I don't, don't have, have room. memory in my camera. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have, have memory in your camera." <laughs> you Thousands of pictures. You have so much megabytes. <laughs> that is what you do, and yeah. you can't spare one picture of yeah. me and my boy. It was just like what? And to but me, see, that that to me feels like I'm not fabulous. Yes. But I don't think that's what Madison is saying, right? Well, I, the, what I, I, I think I, I really like what Madison is saying. Which yeah, is, I think you guys are subscribing, and I think I think in general, sort of a, in a queer sort of identity, when someone says fabulous, it's it's. Narcissism. No, for lack of a better word. No, I don't. I the uh, exact opposite of it. It's 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 they're uniquely themselves. They they're happy with who they are, and 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 they're exuberant within their identity. That is fabulous. And the fact that they are choosing to be that openly, it's creating others to also hopefully have their own view of themselves be just as exuberant. I don't and, think it's narcissism also, at all. I also don't think. Um, I think that you know I, we talk about drag race a lot because it's become such a big part of the gay culture, yeah. but it's also become so mainstream that, you know, I even saw some article, we were talking about this the other day, but like, I saw some article that was, the headline was like, someone throws shade at like Kelly Ripper or something, and it's yeah. like, that is a distinct quote from like, Paris is burning from the 80s, yeah. and so because of Drag Race, that show has propelled yeah. fabulousness into the mainstream in a way that is really, I've never seen anything like that before, and so from my standpoint, when you see that show, you're actually seeing gay guys be fabulous in a way that that doesn't require them to be arrogant. But it does require a certain – you respond to a certain fierceness. Steely resolve. Yes. You know, uh, Madison um... – in uh, sort of some of these interviews, or maybe in his book, said that I thought I, I thought it was really fair. He talked about when he was living in Missouri or something, and he would get kind of made fun of. People would compare him with Prince, and it's obviously very demeaning and belittling. And to him, uh, what I really latched onto was was kind of describing fabulousness as dissent. And he said the stakes are different when you're when you're a gender nonconforming or queer, marginalized in other ways, and you decide to be a spectacle or to be visual mm-hmm. or to be visual. You are not fitting into the boxes people want to put you in. You are more visible, thereby more able to be attacked verbally, even physically. Think about how privileged people are to circulate and move totally unbothered, totally unharassed. Then think about people who it must be like. Who, what it must be like to actually have your photo taken without your permission or to be laughed at or to be verbally or physically attacked. Because you're the freak. <clears throat> yeah. And quote, th- unquote, the freak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, quote, unquote, the freak. Yeah, yeah I completely uh, – I, 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 I respond to that so much. I think I've told you guys this for years whenever – we talked about this a lot yeah. about you know femme and the whole role of being femme and, 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 and sort of the view of it. And I've always found that like someone who – like I said, someone who is femme is so – brave in so far as they don't 
they're just being themselves. They could tone it down to pass, mm-hmm. but they don't have to because they're so confident in who they are. Or maybe maybe they're compensating. I mean, there's probably some people who are compensating and trying to put on a show. But for the most part, I think people who are are sort of really out there and being a spectacle, spectacle quote unquote. Are doing it, it is and, an act and of also bravery in many in, in a lot of it's a visual statement yeah. of queerness that's putting queerness into everyday life that that me maybe as someone who passes doesn't necessarily do. Yeah, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying for better or worse. I'm just saying as an observation, I've always been like this, so ostensibly I just do pass, and I, I you were a parade pride parade the moment <laughs> I saw you. Yeah. actually, but I, I, what I meant, what I mean to say is that. Forever, I've always felt like I can't, I wouldn't know how to turn fabulous on. And a great example is that recently our friend Alaska. But you are fabulous. No, I feel like nerdy and that's okay. fabulous. You're you. But, well, listen, wait. I want to. I just want to say I went to our friend Alaska Thunderfuck had like a garage sale basically of yeah. like all her like drag shit that she didn't need. I anymore. bought a bunch of wigs. Yeah, so I went just to like show support and say hi. And he was he was like, you should buy something. And I was like, yeah. And I'm looking around. You should around. give me money. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just, he was really like, you I'm should buy, like, you should yeah, find yeah, something. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I, it was just bizarre because I was like washed over with this like severe sense of like smallness where I was really like, what am I going to, I don't want to buy anything. Nothing. I, what do I buy here? Like. I'd feel weird buying a wig. And not not weird. I'm sorry. It's not weird. It's like I'd feel uncomfortable in my own Why? skin. Because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like me to like put on a show or like mm. do that kind of thing. And we've also talked about for years, like I always feel like if I'm going through someone's feed or you're following their like Facebook back far enough, if it's a gay guy, there's always a time when you're like, well, there's there's him as a drag queen. Yeah, right. It's always it just like seems like inevitable, and I've never had it. I've never done it, and I'm not saying I won't. I'm just saying it feels so not like me. Yeah, and um, well, and that's okay. If it, it's okay, it just feels like a total. One disconnect. could argue that's fabulous. Said that it's yeah, that it's not. It him. is. Yes. All right. I don't know. Is. I feel like such a disconnect from that, but well, I admire it. I, I I know what you mean. I I consider myself sort of a a mainstream guy. I dress. I I, I wear hipster Cheerio t shirts and shit, but I'm mainstream. I I think with that said, I've I genuinely believe I've never looked down or or treated anyone who does kind of stand out or stick out mm-hmm. poorly. Of course. Um, which I think is probably the most important. But yeah, it's that's to me, it's not for me. I well, want <clears throat> the the coolest yeah. thing I want to wear is that T shirt I wear for Cedar Point, the amusement park yeah, I went to. Great. You know, the best one I of the best moments of my life, and Alan was there to witness this. One of the best moments of my life was New Year's 2016 when we all were at a house in Palm Springs with a bunch of friends and family. All right. And uh, we all got pretty drunk. And at some point, we turned (laughs) and saw that Brent Mm -hmm. had slipped into a pair of somebody's kitten heels. (laughs) Now, we're talking about, we're not talking about sexy Louboutins. We're talking about barely lifted off the floor. Quarter inch. Quarter inch. And and we all saw it and like lost our minds. Brent yeah. was like, "It's not I a big deal. Don't I don't understand it. I the still big don't deal." Get it. But I can tell you. And why. By the way, I kept tap dancing, and in he them kept tap I wanted dancing. them to make noise. The reason why, and not to like d- delve in so deep, was it was a rare glimpse 
at Brent trying on fabulous, but in the most Brent way, in these like stoic, cold hearted, yes, but, but in these in these like bare like b- barely feminine thing shoes that were basically sandals. Yeah, but they lifted off the ground, and Alana, my sister, lost her mind. H. Allen made a gif of him in the <laughs> shoes with fire, fire all around them. Yeah, I remember And to that. me, but that's what, that was so, I think that's what like made me so happy was that it was like, it was just watching my friend play with a toy yeah. in a way that is the only way he would. I'm not going to yeah. turn around and see Brent wearing lipstick and a wig to yeah. have fun. Yeah. Seeing him in like... Very conservative heels. Barely that was the greatest. Yeah, like the heels like a bank manager wears the on greatest. Friday. The yeah. greatest moment of my life. So thank you for well, that, Brad. You're very Brad. welcome. <laughs> well, Brad, you are officially fabulous. <laughs> right, I accept. I accept. Resist. Brad, hilarious. Great. Not even joking. We're here with comedian Joe Mandy. Hey, Joe. Hey, Hi. Joe. How's hey, it going? thanks for being here, man. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for doing this, Joe. Yeah. Uh, Joe's a stand-up, and we've all known each other for, for a while now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Do you but, make all your guests take their shirts off? Is yeah. That, is that just... Yeah, uh, yeah some it's of a, them. It's not, a private yeah. thing with Brent before the show. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey, dude, just relax. I'll give you a quick back massage. <laughs> when I was a kid... Have we ever talked about this on the podcast? I used to... Um, <laughs> I used to... My, like, my, I had, like, one friend I was attracted to... And the only way I could oh, get him to take a shirt this. off was that uh, I would tell him, I'm like, I'll just give you a back this Oh, my God. And <clears> subtle. <throat> <laughs> and uh, and I, whenever he's like, all right, fine, like on sleepovers, and I'm like, oh, you got to take your shirt off. Oh, my God. You have to- <laughs> Brent, was like the, Brent was like the pervy uncle but yeah. who was like seven. Yeah. You were. Yeah. You were a nephew. But my my parents had a backyard uncle. pool, and, and if you paid attention to who I invited to go swimming, it was ne- it was never my friends. It was always like my vague acquaintances <laughs> and who, like, were who you were attracted to. Yeah, who yeah. But, attracted to, but to, to make the story even weirder, Brent also as a child would also swim with his shirt on. Mm. Yeah. So my friends would take their shirts off and go swimming, and I would have my <laughs> and you shirt said, on. And he'd keep your shirt on to stay warm? Is yeah, that I always say to stay warm. <laughs> stay warm. <laughs> I was like, it keeps me warmer. And I think my brother once was like, that's factually not factually true. Factually untrue. Yeah. Like, it's actually leaching yeah. heat from your body. I was, I was the like, opposite of that. Up. I was the fat kid who just was naked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> were you, because you were a super skinny kid. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel sheepish taking your shirt off? <laughs> <laughs> Sheepish. Uh, <laughs> what kind of question is that? I, don't, I honestly don't remember. I, did you feel sheepish? <laughs> but I mean, did you? No, as a kid, oh. no. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't remember really. I, I yeah, I, I, I didn't like go to like swimming pools a lot as a kid. <laughs> yeah, so right. I don't like honestly like it's not like a. I, I remember like I remember there was like a period of time between like late junior high into high school where I was like just uh, so far behind puberty wise yeah. that, that yeah. I do remember there was like a, a couple years where I was just like I'll just hang back <laughs> I'm, a, I'm still a little boy <laughs> remember the, there was an episode of you guys remember Doug oh hell yeah sure there's an episode that reminds me of a young Brent where he's afraid to go to a pool party and take his shirt off. <laughs> and then in his dream or his nightmare, he goes <laughs> to the pool party and he gets on top of the diving board and he's dug. He's like small and he takes his shirt off and he has a humongous giant yeah. belly that that um, like destroys the pool. It's like his nightmare. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but right, it's, it's right. always reminded me of a young That's Brent. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, Joe, I, th- I mean, uh, something that we want to talk about today was... Just to preface it, like this podcast is 
in the comedy vein, in the comedy <laughs> vertical on iTunes. Yeah. Um, but something that we try to like deal with quite often is like the idea of I guess you'd call it identity politics. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a, that apologetic comedy where a lot of times you know we say things and things that on the, on the internet might explode because of a community that feels somehow hurt or disregarded because of an issue that maybe you're not quite so aware of. Sure. Yeah. And and it happens a lot. And I think and we talked about this a lot on the podcast, but the internet and Instagram and Twitter and all these places have really and and just websites needing clicks and ad buys like. Yeah. They they the think pieces yeah. are really worthy of their money than their clicks. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about apologetic comedy. No, the idea that like you know now more than ever, especially I mean, again, it's a comedy podcast, but we have to. It feels like by nature we have to like balance. I, uh, I'm always afraid every time I get on stage. I'm always afraid. Even though I don't consider myself an offensive guy, I'm afraid someone will be offended. I'm sensitive, so if they sent me a message saying I was offended, it would bother me. Mm. And then there's always the fear in the back of your mind that you're like, what if what if somehow something I say is really sh- shitty or I'm interacting f- with some audience member and it goes poorly and it goes viral? And I become overnight, as I always say, on the left, you are only as good as your worst moment. And mm. then you become the vilified person. Yeah, did you, do you identify with that at all, or do you feel like, or do you worry about that? It's like a because it feels like a kind of a new phenomenon. It is a it's a worry for sure, just because I think my instinct as a comedian is a like I'm I'm a, I'm not like a contrarian for contrarian's sake, mm-hmm. but like I definitely try to like find an angle that isn't being like yeah. expressed mm-hmm. over and over again. Like you know the for example. Like in my Netflix special, I have a joke. It's a long bit where I like slowly talk myself into joining ISIS, <laughs> right? And yeah. it like you that know, was, I love ISIS videos. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh boy, and I'm but, offended. Yeah, no, but like it was an interesting. Like it was very interesting to work that material out because the first say. Um, I remember seeing yeah, you do it. Yeah, early on. Early yeah. on, it was just like bad and unpolished and just like offensive to people, and people yeah. were in what way, like. Just it wasn't refined, so the jokes weren't yeah. like crystallized yet. So it was just me standing on stage, kind of praising, praising ISIS. ISIS. And, yeah. and, it, and I remember you would start off by talking about how you've watched all their all their mm-hmm. videos and you know everything about mm-hmm. them, which I have as well. But uh, but I even in conversation, I forget that that is crazy. Like people don't watch ISIS videos everywhere, and they right, don't right. get yeah. the, in, the the curiosity you might have. There was also it's also interesting. I mean, just ISIS in general was like a, a thing two years ago, and it's like fucking nothing now. Right? Yeah, thanks Th- to Trump. Which isn't to say, yeah, right? He did. Yeah. Which doesn't say they don't still exist, but like it's they it's definitely not, still exist. They definitely still exist, yes. but it's certainly not in it's, a they've been, Yeah, they've been <clears throat> neutralized somewhat. Yeah. But the the um, media wise, not in actuality. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we're we're working on it. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, it's we actually there's a uh, a woman I work with named Dana who's like the writer's PA at Good Place, mm-hmm. and she recently told me, and we we get along very well. She's great, and she recently told me like a year ago that like she first when she first moved to LA, she went to a comedy show that I was performing at, and that joke 
offended her so much that she she like remembered coming home and telling her roommate like I saw this comedian I hated oh, him so wow. much he was so offensive <laughs> and then like two months later she was working with me and she like texted yeah. her friend like I'm working with that guy that awful guy yeah. <laughs> and now you know then she like after like a few yeah. months of working with me yeah. like felt comfortable like wow. telling me that so just like yeah. so you know it definitely like you don't even realize sometimes like the effect but you're when, having when she people. had that so when she okay so you said things that were offensive mm-hmm. and but also too as a comedy audience and someone who works in comedy yeah. you know as she does and you do but wouldn't you think that she would have an understanding that you're working a material to get to a place that you're not actually nothing you're saying is intentionally offensive well, yeah. well she's I mean she's new to this world I mean she moved yeah, from, sure. uh, yeah. from out of yeah. the, out of the city and like that was you know probably if not the first one of the first comedy shows she'd ever been to yeah, in her yeah. in her life, or at least as a resident of Los Angeles, so I don't know. It's just like uh, I guess, like I am somewhat used to the like effects of offending yeah. people. Yeah. I think like part of me actively seeks it out. Yeah, I I wonder if uh, uh, I think we we might have discussed this once or twice before. I feel like there's like this there's a race to be offended sometimes. People, it's almost like people are eager to be offended. People Absolutely. have a boner for yes. being outraged. They have an Absolutely. erection for being offended. They want to be outraged and so badly. If you are offended, there's there's no discussion about no. well, what was my intent and how can you interpret that? And I hear I hear what you're saying, but this was what I thought and and all these things. It's like if I'm offended, I hands down win. I win. Yeah. You lose and I win. And I, I do I, – the sky isn't falling, but I do find that worrisome when well, there's yeah. this – people are so eager to be offended and I well, don't know. We, we I, had I that with that a, a couple episodes we talked about um, the Rita Ora song and Girls, <laughs> which is <laughs> – I still stand by a ridiculous conversation. But people were offended that Rita Ora is uh, mainstream <laughs> Joe, do artist. you know who Rita Ora is? Is she Dua Lipa? <laughs> yeah. Is that the same? I don't. Yeah. I don't no, but she, she wrote this Ora, song Dua Lipa, she performed Iggy this song Zale, about yeah. needing wine to kiss girls or something. Uh-huh. She wrote a was, song that was oh, like her yeah. like uh, her like bisexual song where she was like, <laughs> I like girls and, and and one of the lyrics was like red wine, red wine, red wine, kissing girls. And there was a backlash on the internet that it was disrespectful to actual lesbians, to wine, and to wine, <laughs> no, to, bi- and to bisexual, to bi- women. oh, to bisexual sure. women, sure. Okay. And so and I, lesbians, yes. I I call bullshit on that and think it was. And also too, I also think the 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 internet think pieces were more a response for advertising for the people who were offended for what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I often think there's a correlation there. Like when I when we were texting about that very issue, I was like, "Well, when does her album come out?" Oh, well, there you go. It came out mm-hmm. 2 weeks later after that think piece was put yeah, published. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. like I the, I do question a lot of the outrage. A lot of times outrage is for attention. And and where does it come from and what's the root of it, you know? Yeah. Well, isn't it hard to be I'm, I guess my question is, isn't it like do you feel like it's harder to be funny because it's it's like, it's like a landmine now, uh, right? I mean, more than before. I, I, you know, it, that's a it's an interesting question because like what like being funny is has changed so much yeah. in the last ten years that like you, like the if your if your whole goal is to be funny online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you have to deal with the repercussions of that and mm-hmm. like the like yeah. the the conversational nature of yeah. these platforms in a way where like stand up I don't really feel 
has like I don't feel any effect of that. Mm-hmm. Like you, you still have you're the only one with a microphone. You have a light on you, you mm-hmm. know, and so like there there isn't this. And if people speak up, you, yep. you're kind of expected as a performer to shut that down right. or engage, yeah. like right. however you deal yeah. with it. But like I think I think comedy, you know, quote unquote, has broadened to include these platforms and and the, 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 that has changed for sure, because now yeah, you have to just deal with these people yelling at you for everything you all say. All the time. Right. All, all yeah. the time. Right. All the time. There's also a level of, like, <clears throat> if you trust that you're a good person and that you're also open to being wrong about something mm-hmm. or maybe not being fully aware or you fess up to your limitations because you're not a part of this community that you're talking about. Yeah. And you, you acknowledge that that then you're showing respect and that there's... I, I just... And I get that I, people will still be angry yeah. but it's also like... Well, fuck them then. They're going to be angry. I, I, You're doing what you have to I do. I hear you completely. I, I am. I, I don't have a lot of contentious like debates online and all that shit. Uh, but I, I've definitely. There are people who have made mistakes, yeah. made bad tweets or bad ideas, mm-hmm. whatever. They apologize, and, and in an authentic. Well, there's one thing to be like, I apologize, but they'll apologize in an authentic way or. Even I would even I would even clump the Starbucks uh, controversy underneath this umbrella of Starbucks closed for half a day to train their employees to to be not be racist, not to not be racist, right. and I think that's a significant thing. And yeah. there are still people who are like, absolutely not. You're only as good as your worst moment. Fuck them. Yeah, and I I I think that's if it's yeah it's that to me is is terrifying that there's no rehabilitation there's there's no no, there's no potential to rehabilitate yeah yeah and there's the there's a like impulsiveness to social media that is Mm -hmm. uh exciting yeah and reactionary and reactionary and sort of it feels sort of temporary or Mm -hmm. disposable yeah but it stays there and you know i uh before i like got off twitter i paid some service like $15 just to delete any tweet that was older than like a year old because I was just like I don't even know what I was just like I'm not gonna get because like people are just they like there are people who have actively tried to get me fired on every show I've had in the last five years for stuff I've said just like at NBC like these like like (laughs) snitches just like um he did you see what he said about beautiful Ivanka like (laughs) fire him or whatever it's just like I was like this isn't worth it Joe is Joe was uh, super funny on Twitter, and you very and you kind of famously quit. Famously, <laughs> famously, yeah. Wait, dramatically. You, I dramatically. mean, well, I was just like annoyed. I like I kept getting. I was I was getting into fights with not like actual Nazis. Yeah, and telling yeah. them to suck my dick, <laughs> and then they would they would report that as like a physical threat against them, yeah. even though wow. they're like, I'm going right. to put your You're family into an oven or whatever. You're but a that's Nazi. Like, oh, there's also those people who the all mainly it's alt right people who are they claim offense like the Milo Yiannopoulos person saying that he was kicked off Twitter and that Twitter it's a free free speech. Yeah. So we have freedom of yeah. speech, and it's like. No, you don't. This is a private company. Yeah, this is a yeah, company right. that can choose who they want on there or not. Yeah, it's not. And it's, it's mostly Nazis. Yeah, it yeah, is. They, yeah. They'll definitely embrace <laughs> Nazis. Yeah. But I, I just got. I mean, it was just. It was exhausting, and I was sort of like somewhat 
concerned with how much time and energy I was yeah. putting into it. And, and Were you hate following a lot of people? Yeah. That's all I did. <laughs> I wouldn't did. follow my friends. You only I was retweeted. Only, I mean, it was poisonous. <laughs> I was only following. Wait, who were you? Like, what What kind of person were you following like to hate follow? Like, Milo, when he was still, like, mm-hmm. me, like, like uh, Bill Mitchell and yeah. Sean Hannity and, like, <laughs> just, like, lunatic fringe Alex yeah, yeah, Jones. Yeah. Like, just, like, just, like. But also, like, Soldier Boy or something. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah then yeah, I, yeah. that would be, like, my respite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be, like, rappers and then just, like, deeply crazy right-wing people. And th- th- then, then there was no, like, real, like, I never, like, came up from air except my, my normal life. Yeah. So, like, I would just, like, enjoy life or, I mean, as much as I can. Yeah. And then, like, whenever I had, like, 30 seconds, like, in line at Trader Joe's, I look at my phone just, like, poison, poison, poison. Yeah, like, yeah. Evil, now, evil. but you're on Instagram. Yeah. Very funny on Instagram. And like do you find do you do you find that is anything near tox- as toxic or do you I still am like somewhat scratch it is but like I'm scratching that itch in a way that is way more manageable where I do follow some of these people yeah. and I've learned that because I have a verified account that often my comment lingers yeah. like if I write a yeah. comment on say Ivanka Trump's yeah. thing it will stay up or like yeah. you know people like that yeah. so I will write some sort of like burn or whatever on yeah. just like some mean comment, yeah. some like mean slash and not like somewhat yeah. innocuous, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just like right. nothing too right. graphic. Like I yeah. would ever like, but like and then just like the onslaught, just like the the torrent of lunatics who yeah. like w- whose life. Revolves around defending yeah. like Ivanka, Ivanka Trump's Trump. honor yeah. on I had the comment sections. I, of I, her I wrote photos. this thing for Newsweek about Pride heroes and people who you know we should be honoring for Pride. Mm. And all I got on Twitter and Instagram and all these places was, "Why didn't you include, include this person, that person, well, that no, person?" No, why didn't you include the Trump's appointment of openly gay ambassador to Germany oh, or something? And it was like God. a, con- but it was specifically Fucking... Trump people. I'm, right. I'm talking like a shit ton of comments coming at me being like why wasn't this person included and it's like cause he's not up there with Harvey Milk yeah I don't fucking well, know well, it's all bad faith it's all yeah. like that. that's like that's the whole thing so you don't you wait just what do you mean bad faith what I mean is they don't actually care about yeah. Pride Month they, they just know that f- they have this nugget of information that Trump appointed a gay man who they want yeah. to burn in hell Clinton but it also is like a tech like it, it's a convenient nugget that they yeah. can throw back at your face it, it's bad faith it, it just means the that they don't thing. actually mean it it was yeah. when Samantha B uh, called Ivanka a cunt a cunt yeah and it was like no one fundamentally cares. No one cares. That they, and that's Please. why I, I was kind of annoyed that she did it, because it was like, this is, you know, you knew this yeah. was going to be yes. twisted out of context and that this would be a distraction from the argument that you were making. But they, no one in the White House, no one anywhere in D.C. gave a fuck that anyone called yeah. Ivanka Trump a cunt. But they said, this is, un, this is our nugget, because mm-hmm. we can play, because remember, Rosanna just called a black person an ape on Twitter, uh-huh. which is the fucking root of racism, and they were like, let's distract from that. Let's distract from the well, fact that Trump didn't even disagree it's or equi- disavow it. It's equivocate. It's just like, yeah. let's, let's match something, yes. make it one-to-one, even yeah. though it's not even at it's all not. similar, yeah. and equivocate, and then and then uh, and then just be like, okay, it's a wash. We're all we're both bad. I mean, it's the it's the like there's there's good yeah, people yeah. on both there's sides. Good people it's on, like yeah, it's right. that's that's the whole thing. It's just like make everything seem one for one when it's definitely not. Yeah, it's gross. It well, is. Oh, so go I was going to say since you're here, um, 
you and Brent have a rich history of um, it's not it's not really a two way thing. It's a rich history of being assaulted by Brent yes. via text, sexually harassed, yeah. sexually harassed. Yeah, I've I've never physically assaulted Joe. And no. I'm just well, of course, but I'm just wondering if there are some historic texts that you've received from Brent. I haven't, well, I mean, sent, like, I haven't been g- drinking as much as I have in yeah, the past. Yeah, I, I can actually like tell how well yes. Brent is doing by the number of yes. texts <laughs> or unwell he's been. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The, not the late night, the, the all caps misspelled, misspelled vaguely just racist. Like, I want to like... Ironically racist. Yeah. Let me see if there's... I remember, I think you said to Joe... I, I, need... I, did, I, did, send him, I did send him a pic. I said, dis us, and it was a picture of... <laughs> it was a picture of, of uh, in the first season of House of Cards when um, what's her name? Uh, Robin Wright. Uh, when Robin Wright is is like that her lover is going down on her uh-huh. in the bedroom. Uh, and he's like he's like has his face like in her bush. Yeah. Uh, I said this, this is us. And <laughs> my favorite part about this is that the person who, who enjoys this bit the most <laughs> is my wife. Like, yeah. I, like, I'm the one who like show I'm, I show her your tweets and she loves them. Isn't so. the most famous one let's t- let's Listen to Enya and come. Yeah, that was, yeah, one. That was one. There was one last actually Enya very impressive one of you were like there, you you are a male stripper, and then you found you were at some place with a male <laughs> oh. stripper that looked like upsettingly close to what I. I am. I am a savant at finding gay versions of my friends. Yeah. Oh yeah. And anytime I go to a party, I ha- there's a shirtless picture of a guy who looks. Exactly <laughs> like Joe. It's, oh wait, and it has to be like your top three, right? It's, it's number it's one. Number but one. you I even did. posted on Instagram once, I did. like gay Joe Mandy, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you always said you you're always like that's how that's it's so it's so depressing for me to see that picture because I realize that's how ridiculous I would look if I was really muscular. Yeah, I know. I, I get like jealous of him. I like I, he's like my like goals. I mean, right. it's, it's real. <laughs> he sent it to be the. I remember initially when you sent it, and I was like. Yeah, that that yeah, lines yeah, up. Yeah, that really yeah. lines yeah. up. Yeah, Joe's always been a very patient and understanding. <laughs> well, okay, since you're here, I figured it'd be fun to take a script, quote unquote script oh, that yeah. you wrote, oh, right. and you wrote it and you just posted it online. Right. But I thought it'd be funny it to was just shortly after Roseanne was announced. <laughs> yeah, right. Roseanne was a monster. Yeah. Um, here, if you want to look and, at this, yeah, sure. so it's like we it's can like assign like roles. It's um, Home Improvement reboot. Uh, Written by Joe Mandy. Yes. Featuring Tim Allen and I'm assuming Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Was... Can I be Randy? Can I be Randy? Yeah, please. Yeah. Well, sure. I don't want to know. Who... Whoever you want right, to be. I'll, I'll do stage direction. Okay. Um, um, who wants to be Should I be Tim? You have yeah, to be Yeah, Tim you got to be okay. Tim. <laughs> Can okay. I do stage direction? Sure. <laughs> sure, Elliot. <laughs> do you mind? No, not at all. Okay. Inter- you do the little directions above the text. Those are called the slugs. Slugs, yeah. yeah. Do the slugs. Okay. Oh, okay. In- Interior, Taylor House, garage, night. Tim walks in on Randy, who is putting a tiki torch together. We must secure the existence of our people in a future for white children. Who are you talking to, buddy? Myself. I'm trying to memorize the 14 words for tomorrow's rally. Hmm. When I'm at a rallies, my 14 words are, I'll have the bacon double cheeseburger with double bacon, double cheese, and double burger. No, Dad. The white nationalist rally. Didn't Mom tell you? I'm alt-right now. Alt-right, alt-right, (laughs) alt-right. Nah, she did tell me. And I'm proud of you for believing in something. Randy smiles. Tim grabs his tiki torch and frowns. But what is this? Are you protesting at a friggin' luau? 
Here, I got you something. Tim pulls out an enormous flame torch. This is the Binford DDX <laughs> Supercharger Flame Beacon. I guarantee you it will melt any snowflake that comes your way. And scene. Oh, that was so great. Yeah. Like, also, that literally so just brilliant. could be Perfect. Last Man Standing. Yeah, no. That, that is Last yeah, Man Standing. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, yeah. That is my next job. You should job. submit that. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 I literally had a dream. I swear to you, last night I had a dream that it was day one on a show that I was writing on, and the show wasn't specified. And literally, they were like, and Tim Allen's here. Oh, geez. And I was, I was writing on Last Man Standing. Oh, it was so, so scary. Joe, you're the best. Yeah, oh, Joe, thank you so much thanks for doing the podcast. So much. Thanks for being here. Sure. Yeah, yeah, put your shirt back on. Put your shirt, put your shirt back yeah. on, yeah. And another thing. Apropos of nothing, mm. let's talk about watches. What kind of watch? <laughs> Apropos wa- of nothing, new intro. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, I'm a big watch guy. I you love are a big watches. watch guy. I always have watches. I think I think it's because I'm very conscious of my mortality, mm. and I want to control the time. Mm. <laughs> Haven't you heard that before? People who yeah. are like people who really like watches are like very conscious of like the passage of time and. Uh, Mm-mm, I never heard that. I'm just I'm basically waiting to die is what I'm trying to say. Right, right, uh, right. But yeah, I've always I always really care about watches, and I you wear kind of, of like fancier watches, right? I mean, I wouldn't call this that's a big watch. Well, it's when somebody wears watch. a watch with like those... a, I mean, it's a Seiko, so it's not that fa- certainly wouldn't be considered fancy. But uh, I think it's it, I think it's uh, uh, sufficient. How much is... did it cost? It was two hundred and fifty dollars. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you shower with it on? You take it off? Oh, this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch is trying to think about me lathering up. You gotta take it. You, it's not no, waterproof. I, this, right? this actually, this this watch is a bit of a lemon, but I would shower shower with it. A bit of a lemon. Yeah, there's a like a, a there's lemon. like a, there was and a, what back a in 1950 break oh, in the no. seal, and it runs kind of slow. But my brother is super into watches, mm. so much so that uh, he had a phase where he would because uh, there's like hundreds of watch companies that are unbelievably expensive. Yeah, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you have to buy their catalogs. Mm. And so he, he would spend hundreds of dollars on these huge packages of catalogs <laughs> that would show up. Wow. And, he, and I, I was there. I was with him once when he got one. And he was just like giddy. Well, let's be fair. <laughs> let's be real. I mean, you wear a watch every day all the time. It's not that different from glasses. Yeah. yeah. At least for me. Yeah. So they, yeah, do you they wear are important. Do you, do you, yeah, I wear you a watch. Just, I have to wear a watch. But I only because Why do you I, have to wear a watch? To, to be aware of the time. Oh. Yeah, you get your, you have your I'm cell not, phone now, right? Yeah, but I'd rather just yeah. look on my wrist. Yeah. yeah, and I don't like. I couldn't wear the kind that Brent wears because it's too heavy. Yeah, and I'm also so accident well, prone. I mean, I go to the gym, Elliot. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I'm so goofy and accident prone that I'm not going to wear a fancy watch because I'm eventually going to break it or one of my glasses are off. I'll like step on it or whatever. Sure. So I usually wear a um, swatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours um, like usually rubber. have fabric involved. Not fabric, but like a rubber, a plastic. <laughs> a and I also grew up. <laughs> I grew up with um, TikTok or tick, t- 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 flick flacks. Yeah, did you ever no. have flick flacks? No, no. Those were like I was a Timex kid. Wa- yeah, watches for children that taught you how to read, how to like tell the time. And I loved my flick flacks, and so now I just get swatches, and they're wow. they're not expensive. And the only thing I wish that I had because I need to have the date in them, which is important to me. But I do wish I had um, a light, a day glow light. Mm, yeah. Alan, do you wear a watch? I do wear a watch. I, I didn't grow up really wearing watches, nor did I care about watches. Um, but I got, I have an you Apple not, Watch. You must not be afraid of death. I'm not. 
I'm not actually. I'm ready to die right now. <laughs> um, but I, I, a couple years ago, like I got asked to review an Apple Watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they part of my payment was getting an actual Apple Watch and nice. keeping it. And so I've just always worn it since. And I found that the Apple Watch has like it's become incredibly useful and like a daily part of my life. Like it's a thing that I regularly use because I was always like I, I always had a Fitbit or something. Like I yeah. was I was a fitness tracker and this. Is that, but also so many more things. And I hate. I tried the Apple Watch and I hated it so much. I, I don't know it. why you would want email on your wrist. It's not email. It's not email that I necessarily want. It's it's the text messages. It's the messages that you get. The random. The I I specify the no, type of notifications I like getting on my watch, uh-huh. and it's very helpful. So so when you don't write back. For more than thirty seconds, then we yeah. know definitively you are ignoring <laughs> yeah. my text. Okay, yeah. well, that's so good do you know. do you um, do you feel? I would feel too connected. With oh, that see, I love being connected. Oh, I don't want to be connected. I like turning my phone off. I like ignoring it. I like no. turning it on airplane. I never turn off my phone. Really, can you control your music from your watch? Yeah. Oh, you I can. Have, I have a certain playlist downloaded to my watch, hmm. and so when I'm on, like, <gasps> wait I, a minute. So I, then you don't have to use your phone yeah. to go running. Yeah. Wait, that's game changer. <laughs> Hi, welcome to 2018. Wait, so you have like earbuds? Unless you're listening in the future. Do you have wireless earbuds? I do. And Whoa. then you control the music through your phone, through yeah. your watch? Yeah. You don't and you have leave your phone at home. iPod yeah, Nano? Sometimes. Depends. No, I don't use an iPod Nano. <laughs> 2014. I don't know if we've talked about Brent's iPod thing. We have. Yeah. We have. Oh, okay. we have. Yeah. yeah. No, have yeah, but you wheel. can leave. I mean, and the new watch, I mean, this is a this is a second generation, but the new watches, you can, um, you, they can have, like, they have LTE in them, so it's like a GPS tracker. So it's like, you don't even need your phone when you're wow. out. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's it's insane. Mm. It's you amazing. Know, you know, the other person who loves an Apple watch is Joy Behar. Yeah, I know. So Joy and I have common. a lot in common. Yeah. 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 What would your aunt say? Okay, Brent, what would your aunt say about something we heard on the podcast today? She would say, wait, is Home Improvement back on the air? (laughs) I'm going to watch that. You think she really watched Home Improvement? No. Did you guys watch Home Improvement? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I watched it too. Just for the JTT. Just for JTT, yeah. Yeah. Uh, For me, I think my aunt would probably say, um, why would Brent want to listen to Enya? And where is he coming to? She wouldn't understand that. What, Wait, you, did, we, did we mention Enya in this episode? Yes, I'm, because I used to say to Joe, let's listen to Enya and come. Oh, and I think yeah, she would yeah, not yeah. understand what you meant by come. Yeah. <laughs> She'd think of it as a verb, not C-U-M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, yes. As a, you get it. I got it. My Aunt Anne, it would be a, this is a mix between my Aunt Anne and my Uncle Ray in the background. My Aunt Anne would say, I loved Home Improvement. And then my Uncle Ray in the background would go, row, 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 row. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, nothing is funnier than. stupid grunt. Yeah. I was going to say, row, row, row. nothing is more indicative of like the past than Tim Allen's comedy being like, I'm a man. I make these noises. Row, 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 row. What a dope. Well, well, with that. That's right. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. And thank you for listening. <laughs>